happy Monday, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Transportation and Logistics Clubhouse, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humblebee Enterprises. I'm very excited to be here today with a special guest. We have our brother Jacob from uh, Candor Expedite. And before we begin, I just wanted to start by saying this. It's, uh, you know, the temperature's changing. It's getting cold outside. And, uh, you know, the homelessness is really growing in the country at an alarming rate. And for months now, I've been looking for a solution uh, because I've noticed that even where I work out on a regular basis, it's just a lot of displaced persons in their vehicles. And, uh, you know, you can give money and that's cool. Uh, but at the same time, I've wanted to do more than what my personal bank account has enabled me to do. And uh, thankfully, I'm just very, very grateful I had the opportunity to speak with Atlanta Councilman Jason Winston. Um, that brother, he uh, he pointed me to PAD Initiative, and PAD stands for Policing Alternatives and Diversion Initiative, and it's a nonprofit that provides housing for up to six months for the displaced. Um, so if you're in Atlanta and you've noticed, you know maybe somebody needs some assistance like that. You can dial 311 extension one, and that'll take you to PAD. And the only thing that the person or persons would need to do is simply, you know, consent to receiving the aid, and then, you know, PAD, the PAD initiative would move from there. So um, if you live in another area, I would just encourage you to find whatever resources that can help those individuals in your area. But I, I was very, very grateful. Uh, to speak with Brother Jason Winston uh, this past weekend. And I've been looking for this, man. <laughs> so I feel really good to finally have it. Um, oh, in addition, I'm publishing a book on the fundamentals of dispatching. So be on the lookout for that. I believe my editing is going to be completed very soon. So we're going to be moving forward with that. All right. We got Jacob on stage, who is the VP of Business Excellence and Strategy for Candor Expedite. Hey, Jacob, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again tonight, Jory. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. I mean, I'm just very excited to have you here. And, um, you know, let me just start by asking this. Uh, when you went to college, like when you went to school, did you automatically know, were you preparing to enter supply chain or was that something that you kind of just uh, fell into? Um, I think I, I think it was always in the cards for me. I'm second generation, so my my dad had he's owned and operated truck lines in his past, um, and again, uh, you know, fell in love with the business and learning about it, spending a lot of time in in driver rooms uh, in, inside of uh, you know his office, and meeting and seeing some of the guys and and, and seeing what they were up to and. And how they did what they did, I you know I got introdu introduced to the industry early on in, in my life, and uh, from there, I mean, it provided a, 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 a. I was very fortunate as a as a kid to do a lot of different things that others weren't able to, and I think that was a lot of the hard work that my dad put in, and um, it was it was fun and exciting to me. And it, we we would always say it was funny because we go on family road trips or we go somewhere and. I always complain, oh my God, that truck, that truck, oh my God, my dad would, it still resonates to me to this day. It's like, 
That truck put food on your table. That truck puts clothes on your back. That truck puts gas in our cars and, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, that's when, you know, my curiosity kind of sparked. And I, 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 I kind of knew that that was going to be my path uh, throughout my college years. Nice, nice. So are you saying that as a kid that you used to go on those road trips in the 18-wheeler with your father? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, just, you know, sitting in the car, you know, we'd always complain about the trucks. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they you. were they were slower. They would always yeah. get away. <laughs> you know, you learn a lot about this stuff later on down the road. But again, it's just, he would always tell us, like, that, that truck puts puts food in your mouth. It puts clothes on your back puts gas in our cars. So, you know, take it easy on those guys. They, they deserve a lot more than uh, a lot more respect than they're showing them. So. Yes, sir. Okay. No, I definitely hear where you come from. I was raised by a trucker too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that we lived in the country, so uh, we understood that they might go a little bit slower, but we were very excited when we saw trucks as a kid, you know, we were the ones uh, kind of sticking our head out the window doing the hey both you know do the air horn type of situation oh yeah yeah yeah. man we were very excited about trucking and we did used to get those opportunities to go uh over the road uh you know being able to experience what the sleeper looks like and you know all these other different areas along the the east coast we didn't go too far into the west but yeah those are those are definitely some uh some foundational memories from me in my childhood so uh, I can understand how you knew you were going to get into supply chain just by way of, you know, your your upbringing. And now, mm-hmm. you know, you're with Candor Expedite. And uh, what, do, what does Expedite mean? And are there any differences between an Expedite brokerage and a traditional brokerage? Yeah. So, again, a, a lot of what we do, again, just in time, you know, we, uh, I, I guess the best way to describe it is is uh, when a shipper doesn't want to use an LTL carrier because again, you know they want an exclusive use vehicle. They don't want that the back of that truck opened up. Um, they don't want that product moved by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they want it there tomorrow, you know, type mentality. And again. Um, you know, some of the folks that operate in our business aren't uh, governed by the the DOT laws, so they're able to to move a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. Uh, so for us, again, expedite. You know, a lot of different meanings, a lot of different things. But again, it's it's really, you know, when that shipper needs product from A to B and it needs it now, uh, needs it tomorrow, it doesn't need to stop, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's when we find that we're called to duty. You know. Um, the other, the other things that we see is, is again, is, is I have a pallet and I have product and I, I don't want to ship it via LTL. So again, um, I need an exclusive use vehicle. I don't want to pay for the truckload. Um, and I want it and I, I need the product tomorrow. So that's, that's where we see, uh, a lot of our customers come to us and, and how they view us as an expediter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Nice. I know you, you, you've been in this industry for quite some time that I saw on your LinkedIn profile, um, mm-hmm. for Candor Expedite specifically though, were you with them since the very beginning? I believe they got started in 2000. You guys got started in 2017, correct? Yeah. So it's interesting. So 
the day, well, it's not the day that my wife and I were married, but it's our anniversary is May 6th. And, um, and in 2017, Nicole Glenn, who's our owner and founder, um, she started Candor Expedite in May 6, 2017. Um, I joined the organization in October uh, of 2017, so about five months after the company had started. Okay, cool, cool. Well, that's pretty interesting. I mean, that is definitely a connection. I was like, where, he, where is he going with this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I, I'll never forget the day Candor was started, and, I'll, and I definitely won't be able to forget the day I got married. So. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> okay. Um, so, all right. For the people who don't know, you know, what it's like to work at a brand new brokerage, uh, can you describe like what a normal day would have been back in 2017 versus what a normal day looks like uh, Q4 of 2022? Oh, gosh. Uh, we talk about this often, uh, and Nicole and I, in some of our meetings, and you know, uh, we were just meeting last week and or two weeks ago and discussing this as well. As, you know, it was show up to work. It was gobble up as much freight as you can. Um, you know, it, it, the days were very stressful. It, it, it was Nicole and myself initially. Um, so again, it was, you know, she'd call or she'd say, hey, I'm going to drive home. You gonna stick around here? Can you watch everything? Yeah, absolutely. She call. Hey, I'm home. I drive home. You know, we'd spend the nights. You know, uh, with phones on, emails up, uh, a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, you know, as we were trying to establish ourselves. And again, you know, her as the owner. I mean, probably more sleepless nights than than myself. But again, we we shared a lot of those responsibilities and duties and. And, and like I said, is just the two of us working through that in the beginning. And it's so funny because, you know, a good day for us was, you know, 10 shipments. And, and now, you know, we're over that thousand shipment a mark, uh, you know, uh, a month or, we, you know, we're right there, you know, most months and we're continuing to grow. And, you know, uh, from day one, it was like, oh, well, let's get 10 shipments. And, and now if like we're we're not walking in with you know 10 to 20 shipments on the ready and booked then we're not doing something right so it's a big big difference from day 1 to to today right man that is awesome you know i love to hear that because a lot of people don't understand how difficult uh starting something from scratch can be and uh you know it's all your your will it's all will at that point you and if you and if you don't uh if you don't put out I and mean, if you don't really do what you need to do continuously consistently and with vigor you know it probably is not going to get off the ground it just takes a lot of work so i commend the both of you um but you you mentioned something right you know at first you guys were just trying to get the business it was just trying to win the business to to try to establish yourself um, and it kind of makes me think about the, the people who listen to this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Well, there are a good amount of people who are established. Maybe they even work for a large brokerage. Um, but since the pandemic came, there are a lot of people who are budding entrepreneurs, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they got their MC authority. They're, they're, they're new, though. Um, what's the lesser of the two evils for a new brokerage? Like, 
quoting too high and potentially missing the business or winning the business after quoting low and potentially not being able to get the freight move? Which one is the, the, the lesser of the two evils? Well, for us, I, I, I think once again, we we experienced this a lot too. And we talk about it a lot as well. Um, but for us, it was always extinct. For us, we wanted to be, we want to stay true to ourselves. We wanted to stay true to what we were trying to accomplish, what we were doing. We were offering what we consider a pre, you know, premium service. We were giving um, uh, our customers uh, a new, a better communication. Uh, uh, we relied on service. We, we sold that. Um, and we said that we were going to be the best in class service that any of our customers ever had and we just need the opportunity to do so and nicole is the the salesperson so to speak she would just drive that home with customers and her tenacity would get us opportunities through the door and then again it was always what are we going to do with it and again there's a lot of different things we is a different time in 2017 than it is today I, I heard you guys talking about rates a little while ago and you know just depending on where and when and how the product needs to be moved. Again, there's, we would always go back to our customers with an actual truck um, in hand and whatever that might cost. And we were very open and honest with the, with the customer, you know, and saying, Hey, this is what the truck costs. Is, you know, we didn't give them our markup or anything along those lines, but this is what this truck is going to cost. And we understand if you don't want to utilize us today, um, we can rest assured that if you do utilize us, that your product will get from A to B, you'll get the best in class communication, you'll get the best in class service. And, and we stood behind that. And uh, we learned hard ways sometimes, you know, being priced out of the game. And, you know, that's just the, uh, that happens in the business. But again, is, you know, we were very proud of being able to provide the best, what I consider is best in class service to our customers by paying a little bit higher, uh, you know, out the gate. It worked, you know. Okay. Okay, cool. So, um, you're, you're basically saying that, oh, I'm not going to sum it up in that way, but it just depends on the operation, but you'd rather be able to have enough money in it to pay the carrier, uh, versus just win the business and not know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and again, it changes, you know, so now today you're seeing a, a little bit of a different marketplace where, again, there's freights less, there's less and less freight that's out there or, and it's costing less and less. And again, is, you're going to have to take some risks. But, you know, for some of the stuff that we do, depending on what we're doing, we're very open and honest with our customers. And we think our customers are the same to us is, is that, hey, you need this. How, how important is this? Can we do something different? Here's what it would be like drop dead. It's got to be there at 8 a.m. We can't fail. There's no stopping, you know, this, that, and the other. Or, you know, do you have a bigger window um, where we might be able to get you a better rate, um, still provide you the same type of service, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then those would be the opportunities that would take a little bit more chances on and move forward from there. Okay. Oh, well, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, it kind of segues into this question. Um, you, you mentioned uh, a bit of a timeline, maybe even an expedited timeline, which is kind of how that 
that term comes in here. Um, but what are some of the considerations when you're setting the price for uh, maybe an RFP, not necessarily peak season, but this is a question more so for those brand new brokers that are going to be listening to say, okay, well, this company scaled from two people back in 2017 to now moving a thousand loads a month. You know, what, what, what type of efficiencies did they learn and what are they considering when they're, uh, you know, submitting these uh, responses to RFPs? Uh, so, yeah, what are those considerations that you've learned in your career? I know you've done a lot of stuff, too, so um, it doesn't just have to be uh, what you're doing with Candor, where you answer from. Yeah, I, I think it varies across, you know, if you're asset-based or you're asset-light, right? So, again, if you're asset-based, you, you really definitely need to know your costs and what it's going to cost for you to operate your truck at any given point. Um, so when you're submitting an RFP for for something along those lines is just being able to make sure that you're able to continue to service the business and have the ability to grow. I think that's where a lot of folks, you know, lose that mindset is, it's like, I just want the business today, but they don't understand what it's going to, what the impact on their bottom line is going to be at the end of the day. So that's one thing from an asset side, from an asset light side. I mean, for us, it's, it's a few different things, right? So we look at, what are the shipping hours? I, I still remember to this day, one of the first opportunities that we ever got um, was moving uh, tires um, cross country and we're an expediter, right? So the opportunity came across, it was a truckload. These were truckload opportunities that would come across, they'd load up in upper upstate New York and they'd go across country and there were loads of tires. Um, and again, you know, we're up servicing it at one, two o'clock in the morning because that's when it's picking up. So understanding when you're shipping and when your delivery windows are is very important because it does, it will fluctuate the price. Um, I think understanding what are the touch points too. You know, for us being an expediter, you know, if, if a customer wants a touch point every hour on the hour, we can get that. Uh, but again, it's not necessarily what we do for every shipment and we'll cater and tailor that. But again, there's a cost associated with it because again, folks are touching it. And, and now as we start to grow, we're starting to look into more and more automation for that. So we'll be able to adjust and, and hopefully lower costs, you know, to, to be able to uh, with that automation and, and be able to, you know, get more in line with where the customer wants to be. But I think that those are some of the bigger ones is really understanding what is the customer ultimately what's their pain point. What when when it comes to the RFP, what are some of the, the struggles that they have with certain things in certain lanes and, and what can you get away with and what can't you get away with? Right. So it sounds like uh one of the biggest parts of responding to the RFP is actually talking to the customer and getting them to tell you what they need. <laughs> getting them to speak of those those pain points. Yeah, and I, again, it, it's easier said than done, right? Some some customers are very open and honest, and and others, are, you know, just aren't programmed that way. And again, is is do you want to participate at that at that point? And again, do you want to set yourself up for failure? You know, we again, we try to do our very best in learning and understanding our customer inside and out, and knowing their business just as well as they do, um, so that we can relay the information. We're a middle person. You know, at the end of the day, and if we don't understand and know the ins and the outs of 
the customer and their business and what they're trying to accomplish and, and what's, what's acceptable and what's not. If, if you don't ask those questions on the front end, you know, they're going to come up later on down the pike. And again, you're answering questions that you wish you would have known when you, when you did the RFP, you know, because again, it's, you know, careful for what, for what you wish for, so to speak. But again, it, you know, um, if I were to ask that simple question on the front end, maybe my cost is a little bit different. Maybe that's a premium type service that they want, you know, um, that I wouldn't offer just to anybody. I I definitely hear you there. I definitely hear you there. Okay. Well, cool, cool, cool. Um, traditionally, you know, you've been you've been even before being with Candor, you know, you you work for many brokerages. Um, is there a traditional start time when you think about the holiday um, peak season? Like, is there a month or, you know, just a general time frame where you start to get ready to gear up for a peak season? Yeah, it's, it's always been September, October, right? You know, even you start to hear about August. And it's funny how, and I, I use Christmas as the gauge and my wife is, uh, she's, one that definitely supports retail business very well, um, <laughs> as evidenced by the amount of Target bags that go up in my house and Amazon. But again, it's it's so odd is is like as Christmas or peak season or the end of the year continues to come earlier, or as you see more and more things out earlier and earlier. Uh, it was funny the other day we were we were in Target and they're starting to take down the Halloween stuff, and we we're a week away. And they're starting to put up the Christmas stuff. So as as these things happen and as these events occur earlier and earlier, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, peak season is just spread out for more um, in earlier each and every year. So, you know, you might be seeing stuff that you're moving in, in July, August that's going out on shelves and racks now. Uh, whereas typically you would never see that till September, October. So again, over the last 20 years of my career, it's a, September, October was the gauge, right? That was the time that was, you know, no vacations. You finish out the year, let's, let's finish this year on a strong note. And, and now it's just, again, it is, I think it's spread out more. I don't think you see, um, peak season as it's, as it's been in its traditional sense in the past. I think this year, again, too, I think you hear the word inflation and you, you start to think people are spending less and less money on things and more on experience. Um, so a lot of different things that are happening out there that uh, is, not is not giving way to traditional peak season, so to speak. Gotcha. And how did you traditionally prepare for a peak season? And now, you know, because you're saying 20 years worth of industry experience. Um, and how is it different now preparing for peak season uh, working as an expediter, you know, expediting brokerage? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, again, is is was always leveraging, you know, I said in operations a lot. Um, so, again, leveraging relationships you know, and, and making sure that the capacity was available. And if the, the capacity wasn't available, that I was trying to build new relationships uh, with carriers. I think that that was one of my 
strategies that I used when I sat in the dispatch seat, you know, and, and making sure that I knew who was going to be around and who wasn't, uh, who was going to be looking for certain lanes in certain areas, uh, who wasn't, and then just trying to build off of that. And again, is is that's that was one of the things that I did in in my past, and now as an expediter, um, again, it's for us is you know really understanding where our relationships are at. You know, I think for with carriers and and, and making sure not only do they have the capacity, but are they able to service it? You know, so many different things happen, and so many people are in and out of the industry, and you know, while somebody might say on uh, the FMCSA site that they have 50 trucks, they may only be operating 10, you know, or they may be operating 100, <clears throat> excuse me, and you just don't know. So making sure you really understand, you know, who your your strategic partners are, what they're doing, what they're capable of, what they can and can't do. Um, I know one year we went in and we had a, co- a company that was very proficient in, in straight trucks and uh, we didn't even know, but then they made a shift and they started uh, renting and leasing cargo vans and the drivers were, were utilizing those, that equipment. And then there was nobody operating in their straight trucks. And, uh, we were like, Hey, what happened? And why, why aren't we getting your capacity anymore? And they're like, well, you don't have any cargo van moves for us. When did that happen? When did you shift? So long story short is, is I think again, leveraging and understanding your relationships with your, with your strategic partners is, is crucial um, in in any facet of transportation. But again, for us, it's really understanding what what carriers are operating, what types of equipment, and where they're at, and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, with their equipment. Yeah, I think that sounds great, and I, I like how you you uh, also gave that you know that example of one of the pitfalls of you know just not being um aware that one of your major players one of your major carriers were transitioning to a different equipment type um did you have any other pitfalls that you've experienced in past peak seasons that uh maybe one of these newer brokerages listening might can learn from and prayerfully avoid oh yeah i i think the biggest one is is team drivers right uh we uh, we were doing a lot of shipments on the border uh, at uh, during peak season. Uh, I always forget because COVID, right? So 2018, 2019, um, and uh, again, is carriers would go down. They'd have great money going down, and then they'd get this great opportunity coming out of El Paso with a straight truck. And again, we're shipping product all over across country and again requiring team service like no stopping we can't have the you know stop for you know breaks and food and and fuel and get yourself right but again we can't afford a you know a 10 hour break you know or uh, an eight hour break whatever it might be and um, again we went through a lot of struggles of Carriers stopping in the middle of the night, keeping our eyes on them, wondering what's going on. Drivers not answering the phone. So again, we we changed up our strategy a little bit um, in how we combat that, how we how we viewed those carriers, um, who we were talking to. I mean, 
there there still is a picture to this day of uh two drivers in a in a truck taking a selfie with each other i mean stuff like that that you know we over we overlooked because again we were we're very open and honest company and you try to trust everybody that you 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 work with and um again you know some of that stuff happened and again while it didn't kill us um it definitely helped us become a little bit stronger because we created a lot more process a lot more procedure in making sure that we were getting the customer exactly what they asked for okay okay so uh that that makes sense especially as an expedite company you guys have very 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 strict timelines that's the whole point of just time you know for the most part you guys might get the shipment that if it doesn't get there at this amount of time the whole plan is going to shut down and that's going to cost that customer you know this amount of money per minute that type of thing correct yeah absolutely yeah we run into that all the time okay <laughs> so when it comes to having those type of pressures that you know you're, you're dealing with your customers who are already a bit stressed out how do you leverage i mean you know i'm not trying to say this in a, a crazy way but you know does that affect the price uh that you charge and if so how does i mean is there a type of calculation that you put in there to say the the, the stress factor is this high so this is how much we're going to multiply it by. Uh, I don't think that there's an actual calculation, but again, I think, you know, when you're talking about risk and, and how, how much risk is involved in not getting a shipment at a specific place at a specific time in a specific location, um, you know, there, there's quality, right? So again, I, I always refer, uh, there's always this chart, right? You want it quick and you want it cheap. It doesn't really exist. And again, you're going to sacrifice one or the other. But again, there's this cost and, <clears throat> and service. And carriers are, uh, you know, a lot of smart carriers, you know, value their business on service. And we've had, again, you know, you you talk to a carrier and they're like $7 a mile. $7 a mile. How is that possible? And it's like you will get the best possible service. Don't worry about it. I will update you. I will do this. I will show you my drivers. They'll video themselves driving down the road. Whatever you want, making sure that you're comfortable with with the risk that's associated with this load. We'll make sure it happens. And and again, these things would happen. And again, you take your chances with it, and you make sure that your client's aware. And again, sometimes we walk away from deals too. So we were very open and honest and saying, hey. I can get you the best, best of the best right here. These are our best carriers, but there's a cost associated with it. Customer would say yes, some cases. Other cases, they would say, no, I'm going to take my chances. I would say a lot more times than not, they come back to us and say, man, I really wish I would have used you guys. I really got, I really got raked over to Kohl's on this last ship, man. It was, four, it was 14 hours late. Uh, there was one driver that showed up. Um, he had said that he was on his break. You know, he couldn't drive. He blamed it on his dispatcher. Dispatcher wouldn't answer the phone. We could never get updates. You know, those types of things. And, and so, again, I don't think that there's an actual calculation to it. it. Again, for what we've done and what we did in the past, when those risk-heavy shipments are there, we're, we're utilizing the best and the best. 
we're very open and honest in what we can and cannot do. And, and we're very open and upfront with our customers and saying, Hey, listen, this is what the cost is going to be, uh, based off of that. All right. I hear you. I hear you. That kind of reminded me of this audio that's going viral on Instagram and it's basically saying, well, I want it fast. I want it cheap and I want it good. And the person's yes. like, well, you can only get two of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pick which one you want. Right. 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 So no, I love it. And I completely understand it. I mean, to be honest, man, like this is what I really want to know about your company is, you know, I understand that it's a need. I do understand it's a need, but do you feel like, like are you happy to service the expedite, uh, like the, the, the just in time shipments or, you know, do you also welcome the pre-planned things that you know that is going to happen months in advance? Yeah. So we've, we've become diverse in that, in that aspect. So we do a lot of different things. We've just launched, uh, a couple of months ago, our air freight component. So we're able to to offer that to our customers. Um, so it's the ability for us to uh, take a product from New York and take it to California next day. Um, you know, those types of things. So we do have that service available. We do have the ability to partner with LTL companies um, in case our customers do that. So again, our customers vary. So all of them have different needs and, and wants. Um, it's funny because again, we did a lot of expediting and a lot of, uh, straight truck and cargo bands for a lot of our customers initially. And then they started asking, well, Hey, we love you so much. Can, can you guys do truckload? I'm like, yeah, we can do truckload. And then they were like, can you do flatbed? Yeah, we can do flatbed. How about power only? You know, and it just kind of snowballs from there. And again, we're our our company is is always looking for that customer that is really focused in on that expedited side of of the business first and foremost. Um, but then you know after that, you know we have a, a menu of services that we can offer solutions on. So somebody came to us and said, "Hey, I expedite a hundred shipments a month. I want you guys to be the the sole provider of those hundred shipments. Can you can you do it? Yeah, absolutely." And they say, well, how about these two air freight shipments that I do a month? Can you do that? Like, yeah, we can handle that as well um, now, which in the past we weren't able to. And then they'd say, hey, I got three truckloads that I do in a month. Can you do that? Like, yes, we can handle that as well. So again, it's just, um, we have the ability to do that. And it's, it's funny because we've been, as we've grown, we've hired folks specifically to fit those niches and to lead those niches. and. Um, be subject matter experts for us in, in that space. Right. Well, I can't lie to you, man. Uh, I absolutely love it. And I say, I say it that way because it reminds me of my mentality when I transitioned from corporate America to opening my dispatch company. And it was a matter of, uh, you know, focusing on dispatching box trucks you know so the type of equipment that you would need and how that kind of uh allow me to really learn the industry from a, a ground floor level because you know being able to be privy to just-in-time shipments that go on box trucks you really have to have your ear to the ground you got to have your you know you got to be on the pulse 
you got to just know a lot of people who want to work with you so that you can get that, those opportunities. And, yeah. you know, now that you guys have specialized and created a lane for yourselves to be able to, uh, you know, shine in such a difficult segment, you know, you can kind of handle everything now. You know, everything else is, it seems like it would just be a little bit, be like cake on top, like cherry on top of the cake. Um, after you've already mastered being able to thrive in the just-in-time space. So, man, I love it. I, I truly do. And that, that makes me segue into, you know, just you as a, as a supply chain professional. You've been in the, in the industry. I was about to say you've been in the league. <laughs> you've been in the <laughs> league now for 20 years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a different market. Do you think that, do you believe it's easier to be a carrier or a broker in today's market? Uh, that, that's a, that's a really good question. It's a really tough question too. I think the, you know, um, being second generation and, and being a, a carrier for, for years and understanding that side of things. I, I always think that there's, uh, that's a lot harder of a business. Uh, to manage, maintain, to grow um, than being a broker. Um, I think, again, there's there's less risk uh, to be a broker. I think right now, though, it's it's interesting. We, we're in a different time, too, where, you know, brokers rode a wave for a very long time, you know, uh, being able to go out and charge what they want and do what they want um, uh, anywhere you know, and to any customer. And and now it's it's changing. You're seeing a little bit of a change now. People are talking about, you know, we're talking about peak season a little bit here tonight. And they're talking about how it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as busy, as hectic, as crazy um, as it's been in years past. So again, I, I, I still believe, I think it's, it's easier to be a broker. Um, I think there's a lot more um, issues with being a carrier um, that you can run into. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, right now, I, I, carriers, uh, um, you know, they're seeing a lot of different things going on in the marketplace. And um, as far as costs are concerned and, and price, um, and they're seeing less and less freight. So it's going to be, t- it's going to be difficult for them to, to weather the storm as well. So, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll always say it's tougher to be a carrier. I don't, I don't care if, it, if, if the market's great for being a carrier. It's just there's so much to to being a owner operator, being a driver, being a carrier that I don't think a lot of folks even understand um, out there that are doing you know jobs that we do each and every day. So again, I think it, it's, it's tough. Right, right, right. And I hear you. Um, it is challenging uh, during this market to weather the storm for carriers. And traditionally, peak season was when carriers were able to get ahead. You know, they were really, really, really excited and gung-ho about this specific time of year because they were able to really capitalize on the the dedicated nature of freight opportunities. And you know, it was just like very, very high intensity, very quick uh, transactions where they got a lot of uh, money. You know, they just made a lot of revenue. 
And, uh, you know, how can, since you guys are, uh, you, you specialize in the just-in-time and your main equipment type is going to be between the box truck and the cargo van. I, I don't know if you guys work with sedans any, but how can a box truck fleet or a cargo van fleet position themselves to participate in peak season opportunities? Like, what do they need to do to get out here to make themselves available uh, so that they can do whatever peak season there's going to be in 2022? Yeah, I, you know, I think it started a little sooner than, you know, where we're at today, or it has to start a little sooner than it has today. But I think from our perspective, it's really understanding a carrier's capabilities, right? And having them pick a lane. So many carriers that we utilize today, um, you know, for the longest time, and they, they will, they'll chase the, the dollars and the cents, right? And they don't necessarily become really good at anything um, per se. And the same thing would hold true for a brokerage too. You know, we have customers that come to us and say, well, what are you guys really good at? And sometimes that's difficult for us to answer. Uh, but again, I think it's really picking that lane and, say, and positioning yourself is, is like, if I want to be the best carrier in the Detroit market that goes to Cleveland, then I'm going to tout that and I'm going to live and die by that on a, on a regular basis. And while opportunities may not be there every day for, for that type of lane or that type of work, again, is just it's positioning myself close enough to those marketplaces where I, I'm still living true to what, I, what, I, what I'm really good at. And I think that so many different times is a carrier will go outside that box uh, because there's there's a little bit of uh, you know greener grass on the other side and um, you know and, and they don't necessarily truly understand the opportunity that's out there and they fail and then they lose they lose the trust of the the broker or the broker broker loses the trust of their customer. Um, and in the end is, is no one has a relationship at that point. So again, is, is I think that that's something that uh, really has to reign true because we've had so many different instances too where customers come to us and said, hey, I got a shipment that goes to Mexico. You want it or can you do it? No, thank you. You know, because we don't service that area. Um, but if you wanted to go to Laredo and, you know, figure it out from there, we can make that happen. Or if you want to go to El Paso, and you can, we can maybe connect you with another partner that can take it across the border for you. Um, so again, is I think that those are some of the things too, where you know you offer different solutions, um, even past your capabilities. Uh, you know, customers, brokers alike will, will appreciate that so much more than uh, just saying, "Yeah, I, I'll take care of it." You know, uh, don't worry. Um, so okay, okay. So that might even answer the question uh, of how do you stand out, you know, is just, you know, making sure that you uh, specialize, that you uh, find a specific sector, you learn it really, really well. And, you know, not only are you a specialist in this area, uh, but start to string together solutions so that even when other things come up, uh, you know, you began to offer those as well. Are there any like soft skills within that that you look for that you want a carrier to provide um, or come to the table with that makes you feel even a little bit better, <laughs> just a little bit warmer about giving them the opportunity versus another company? 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest ones for us is do they align with our values, right? So we're very open and honest uh, with our customers. So we want to make sure we have the same type of carriers utilizing, uh, you know, that are, are partnering with us. So again, is is that open and honesty? You know, if you're if you're picking up a load in Dallas and you're uh, thirty miles away, it doesn't mean you're thirty minutes away. You know, say hey, I'm thirty miles away, but I'm looking at an hour and a half due to traffic. That open and honest communication is critical for our business, and we appreciate that so much more. And again, sometimes we might not be able to give you the order and we give you the load. Uh, based off of what you've provided. Uh, but again, that open and honest communication, like it, it would come back. And we've seen it time and time again where carrier A is open, honest. They've never, they've never given us a reason not to believe them. And then there's carrier B. There's a cheaper option. We can make a lot more money, but we've had five instances this year. So who do we want to go with? You know, so we tend to go with carrier A a lot of times. And again, that does that hurt our bottom line? Yeah, a little bit, but I think we're in it for the long haul, so it'll be okay. I think the second biggest thing is communication, right? So every, especially in our space, like we have certain customers, we don't want to see the truck stop. We want an update on the hour every hour. We want to be uh, every two hours. I think that communication goes a long way. So again, if if you're running a if you're running a piece of equipment and you're running through the mountains of uh, of uh, Wyoming or Idaho where you lose service, right? It happens a lot. Uh, but if you were open and honest and you're communicating, saying, "Hey, I'm going through this patch here. I'll be out in two hours. If you haven't heard from me in two hours, try giving me a buzz." You know, those things go a long way too. And we can relay that to our customer, and our customers sympathetic at that point as well. So again, that communication of just being, once again, open, honest, transparent, and, and just living and dying by that communication, huge for us. Um, and again, of course, is, is, is service, right? Um, making sure that uh, we're getting the best of the best. If I ask and, and say, hey, my customer wants a, wants a driver in there, he doesn't want no, uh, they don't want flip-flops, they don't want shorts, they don't want a t-shirt, I want to make sure the guy has long sleeves. He has, you know, eyewear protection or a hard hat or something along those lines. Making sure we're communicating that and vice versa and coming back and saying, yep, I can make that happen um, without an issue. Um, you know, that's big for us. And we do a lot of that by talking to the drivers as well. You know, so, uh, again, I, I referenced it earlier. Sometimes dispatchers, they just don't know, Right. Uh, they don't know certain things. They don't know what their driver may or may not have. They don't realize that a driver may have had his truck broken into and had all of those things stolen the night before. Um, so again, we, we try talking to the driver and saying, Hey, you know, do you have all of these things? If so, proceed. If not, Hey, here's an option. Can we go pick it up at this store? Or, uh, option B is, is unfortunately we can't give you the order, but we'll get you on the next one, you know, and, and, as long as you're open and you know honest with that, that's so much better. Because again, driver shows up and he doesn't have that hard hat, and he gets thrown out. Number one, that driver just missed out on probably five other orders or five other loads that brokers were offering elsewhere, um, just because they thought they'd get be able to to do that. Or it happens so often, 
in our industry. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's a dispatcher driver thing. I don't know if it's a broker dispatcher driver thing. Um, but again, it's it's just that that communication, that open, transparent, honest, hey, this is what I have, this is what I don't have, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do. Um, it goes so far in, in what we do. And those carriers are highlighted within our system. And we know that, you know, like I said earlier, carrier A costs more, carrier B costs less, but has problems. We're going to go with carrier A, 9.9999 times out of 10. Man, I love it. I mean, I think you emphasize some very, very, very important points. Uh, one, you got to have those aligned goals and, you know, just the, the ethics behind it. At the end of the day, mean a lot. Um, that communication, transparency, um, those, are, those are the biggest things I, I, I definitely have within the dispatch space is just a respect and understanding what transparency needs to be and how it helps everybody. I, you know, sometimes people just need to be directed or redirected, you know, uh, because their mind might make a shortcut saying, okay, 30 miles does equal 30 minutes, but they, they just mistakenly said that. Um, and I think it's having these type of conversations that, you know, give people the, the understanding that, no, you really just need to be as specific as possible, not do shortcuts, you know, to, to you know, just say something in a different way, but be as specific as possible. Um, but, yeah, no, I love what you said. I pray that the individuals who hear this um, can take heed to those things. And, um, you know, you mentioned dispatch companies and I wanted to bring up dispatch companies in regards to peak season, you know, because you might get a opportunity for some, some high intensity opportunity in an area that maybe you haven't developed your carrier base in too much. And I wanted to know when something like that does happen. I, I know that you, you've interacted with dispatchers in the past, but independent dispatch agencies, like you know that that's what they do. <laughs> dispatch mm -hmm. for multiple MCs. Would that be something that do you, not, not would, do you believe um, there's like a, a benefit of building relationships with an independent dispatch agency? you know, when it comes to servicing some of those peak season opportunities, um, you know, what are, what are your candid thoughts on that? I think you can argue either side of the fence. I think a brokerage will look at a, an independent agency and say, well, um, I don't need, I don't need that. What I need is, is I need the driver. Um, I need to be able to talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they're taking out of my profit. Um, those types of things, they could easily argue that. Um, but then there's also the ones that, again, uh, carriers that don't have a lot of access to a lot of the resources, um, that an independent agency might have. So again, you might not know that that carrier is out there. So from a brokerage side of things, you can go either way. I think, I think in both scenarios as well, from a carrier perspective, I think, again, I think it makes the roads a little bit safer. Um, you know, 
so many times I hear we hear from drivers that are on the road and they're calling about our load and it's like, how did you hear about this order? And it's like I was on my phone. Are you driving? Yes. And that's not good either, you know. So but I understand because there's so there's not as many opportunities in our space that those those folks are glued to that. So they might they may as an owner operator may need to be like attached to their phone, which isn't safe for our roads. Um, but then there's also the side of the fence too, is is that their costs are so thin that they can't afford to hire a dispatcher full time. Uh, so a dispatching agency becomes necessary for them. So again, I, I, you know, there's so many different things you can, so many different ways you can argue uh, this thing um, with independent agencies. I, you know, I, I, for me personally, candidly, I, I, I don't know enough good ones, right? So you get the, the fly-by-nights that don't really succeed at what they're doing um, and they create more problems than they do uh, assurances, so to speak. Um, but then there's the good ones too that definitely have a purpose in, the, in our space and um, are doing great things for owner-operators and, and helping shippers and, and brokerages like us um, meet our our goals, you know, as well. So um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not picking one side or the other because I think that there's advantages and disadvantages uh, to to uh, on both sides of the fence with with an independent agency. I uh, know it's all right, man. Uh, to be honest, we're just here talking about it, um, bringing mm-hmm. light to what is definitely a necessity in the industry. Um, and again, I mean. I understand both sides of the fence. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh, blind to the fact that there are some uh, fly-by-night operations um, that might be, um, you know, tainting the name and credibility. Um, and it's, you know, so it's all good. It's no worries. I just wanted to hear it from somebody, uh, a practitioner, somebody that's been in the league, who's been, you know, growing, and you know, you're building a I mean, well, you're not building. You already built um, a nice size brokerage um, that is in a spot that can leverage both motor carriers as well as independent dispatch agencies. So, no, it's all good. I just want the conversation to continue because, um, you know, as we as I've stated in the past, not necessarily in this conversation, um, you know, after the FMCSA makes their ruling. Um, we're just going to see where it goes. And, you know, I think things are just going to fall where they fall. Um, But once that decision is made, and if it does, you know, it does rule that independent dispatch agencies can continue to operate in the way that they have, maybe some more regulation, maybe some, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, that they be accepted. Um, once that ruling is made. Um, so, yeah, it's just all about the, the conversation. And um, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting, though, because if you look back to the early 2000s, brokerages were, that was like the, the dirty word, right? You, you, there was not very, there were not very good uh, brokerages out there. There was very, it was very shady practice. And over time, it became acceptable. 
and again, I think that there are certain things and certain strategies that an independent agency can take to to really help drivers, you know, achieve their business goals. Um, you know, but again, it's it's going to take uh, you know companies like yourself and people like yourself to to really drive that change. And I think that that's going to be uh, whatever way that 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 ruling ends up. I think that again, if it ends up in where they allow independent agencies are, I think it's it's companies that are really going to have to come out into the forefront and and really drive that change. And if they're going to be successful, they can't be just that fly by night. They can't give bad reputations. They really have to know their their drivers and the equipment that they're operating uh, so that they don't make mistakes. Because again, those are things that brokers did early in the and late in the night uh, in the nineties and early two thousands that really gave it a bad name. And I remember, you know, uh, my, my dad asked asking me when I transitioned from his company to a brokerage, he's like, why would you want to go work for a brokerage? That's the worst thing you could possibly do. There's just <laughs> such a terrible name in the industry. And I was just like, well, hey, we're able to do some things. We're going to be ethical. We're going to change things. Uh, we're going to make ourselves have a great name and, and make it more acceptable. And then all of a sudden you started seeing more and more pop up and be created. And a lot of, well, there's a lot of good to, to a brokerage now, you know, uh, more good than bad in, in my opinion. So definitely, definitely. I hear you there, man. And I love that. I love that season, man. I love the fact that you were able to add some context from uh, recent history about how things just change, you know, just with time and uh, with regulation, <laughs> because that's the main part. It was, it was the regulation that probably um, also allowed folks to get behind the accepting of brokerages. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank you for, for adding that. And at the end of the day, um, you know, that was that was my last question. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you have anything that you wanted to say to, um, you know, any advice for people who are experiencing their very first peak season or anything that, you know, we didn't get a chance to cover that you just feel like you want to say at that point? If you do, uh, the floor is yours, brother. Yeah, I, I just think the biggest thing is put a value on your service. You know, don't don't settle and don't accept you know, mediocrity that will put you out of business. Um, you know, I think that that's a big topic of conversation that goes on around our space, um, not just Expedite, but any transportation company out there um, where people just drive down rates and, uh, you know, uh, hurt the industry. Uh, so again, know what your value is, know what you're worth, um, know what you can weather and what you can't. You know, and at the end of the day, I think it, it it goes a long way. And and stay true to to your values. You know, I think for us, one of the things at Candor that we always say is is we're going to stay true to those things. And um, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I come from the the Chicago market and that that the, the big box brokerages, and there's so many of these these folks here and so many carriers that have popped up in, in, in recent years. And again, it was always like, you know, you sat in some of these classrooms that they were teaching folks to, 
to to learn how to become a broker and it's like sometimes you gotta lie you know or sometimes you gotta stretch the truth a little bit and even on a carrier side too is like hey if so, a broker calls you you know we're not really interested in that business and you know you don't have to necessarily tell them the truth and again i think that that's the total the worst thing you can teach uh the worst thing you can say i don't think that it happens as often as it used to uh, but again, I think being true to yourself, putting a value on your business, uh, putting value on you as an employee uh, is, is critical and having a set of values is, is, is super important. Those opportunities are going to come, you know, uh, when those types of things happen. And when you stay true to that, it's when you go outside of that, um, not fully prepared that uh, you're going to get uh, chewed up and uh, spit out. True enough. I love that. Thank you so much. I think that resonated with a couple folks, too, um, that were in the room. Um, Brother Felton said, thank you for the confirmation. Uh, but, yeah, no, those are definitely wise words. I, I appreciate you for, um, you know, your time this evening. I appreciate you for working so vigorously <laughs> through that troubleshooting situation earlier Man, that is so wild. Yeah, my <laughs> kids know, are probably what, what, on YouTube. My kids are on YouTube like two hours earlier. They're having so much fun at home right now. They don't even. They're not even missing me right now. They've never had their iPads on before. You know, seven o'clock. <laughs> so, oh man, on a school night, so they're probably enjoying it too. So, yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things, and you learn. And I, I found something out new about an iPhone that I never even knew was possible. So. Great. No, I love it. I love it. Um, so thank you so much for your time, brother, um, for the continued support of the transportation and logistics community. I am so grateful. You know, we are almost at 30,000 folks in here, man. Like this thing it grew from it just being myself in this room by myself. And then my wife joined me. My, she was my girlfriend at the time. And now, mm -hmm. you know, we have curated a community of almost 30,000 transportation and logistics professionals. And it's, uh, you know, it's just uh, beautiful. I'm just very grateful um, for all the support. And I'll say tune in on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're going to be discussing niches within the brokerage space. You know, are there riches in the niches? And I know the people who I'm going to be interviewing on Wednesday, I know that they move a lot of high value aeronautical equipment. So very, very pricey stuff <laughs> that, you know, they've, they've, they've definitely carved out their own niche. And next week, uh, join us on Monday as we partner with Freightwave Sonar Team, uh, every, like just like every other Monday, 7.30 a.m., uh, you'll be able to find out where to position your trucks to take advantage of the market. And uh, if you're a broker, you'll be able to see where the market is super soft so that you can take advantage of the market as well. Um, so, Jacob, if you need anything in the meantime, brother, just holler at me. But I truly appreciate you for your time this evening. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It was it was a blast. I enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to catching up with you soon. Um, and continued success as you continue down your journey of uh, keeping the transportation industry informed. Thank you, brother. Thank you. God bless you and your family. And uh, everybody, y'all have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you.